Welcome to another episode of Regulation Tomorrow Plus, uh, brought to you by Norton Rose Fulbright. And welcome to what is the second in our series, uh, Evolution and Divergence, Markets in the EU and the UK. Now, in this short series, we're looking at the evolution of the markets regime on both sides of the English Channel, with a view to understanding any divergences that may emerge as these now separate markets evolve over time. In the first episode of this mini-series, Hannah Meekin and Anna Carrier explored the commodities regime, and Anna returns today, joined by NRF's Global Head of Financial Services, Jonathan Herbst, to discuss the equities regime, which has certainly been the subject of much debate recently. So firstly, hello to Jonathan and hello to Anna. Hi. Um, hi. Um, so perhaps we let's start with um, the sort of proposed uh, changes to the pre-trade transparency regime, um, or at least that, that's how it's uh, sort of uh, featured in the report, uh, in the consultation, at least uh, by the Treasury. Jonathan, the Treasury is currently conducting a broad consultation on prospective changes to the UK wholesale markets uh, legislation regime. I understand that some changes are considered in respect of pre-trade transparency for equities. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. And it fits into the much bigger picture of the Treasury basically trying to create a more flexible regime in their eyes. So sort of three immediate points leap out when you read it. The first is that they are proposing to abolish the double volume cap. Very controversial, as everyone will know in this sector. Um, essentially, their argument is it wasn't market efficient it's it's not fit for purpose, not the kind of approach that they want to adopt. So that's point one. Point two, and I think this fits with a much bigger picture, they want to replace that with FCA monitoring and intervention powers. In other words, a sort of horses for courses, proportionate regime, case by case. Also, as everyone will be aware, fits into the sort of theme of giving the FCA and indeed the markets broader powers case by case. And finally, very much on the same theme, changes to the reference price waiver regime. In other words, more flexibility for the FCA, not just to go for midpoint, but for other prices. And I think you've got to see these changes as part of a much bigger picture, which is throughout the consultation, which is effectively moving away from what they regard for good or ill as the sort of prescriptive nature of the MIFID or EU regime. Mm, I think that's a very good point. Um, Anna, how, how does the situation look like in Europe? I understand that the, the Commission is preparing a, a, you know, an equally broad review, if you like, of MIFID II um, and is going to address the transparency regime for equities. Um, it, you know, do you have a view of, of any of the potential changes and, and how these might be aligned with what has been considered in the UK? Thanks, Rob. Yes, um, you're absolutely right. The Commission is preparing a review of the MIFID II, MIFID, uh, MIFIR framework. And uh, indeed, I understand that pre-transparency will be covered. Um, just by way of very quick background, back in 2019, the Commission asked ESMA to prepare a series of review reports addressing various issues under the MIFID II and MIFIR framework. And ESMA published um, its report on transparency regime for equities in July last year, and it was the first of the series of its MIFID uh, review reports published to date. So probably the key point to note is that ESMA did indeed suggest introduction of targeted amendments regarding the transparency obligations for trading venues, and specifically the double volume cap mechanism. So it also provided recommendations on the other key transparency provisions, and in particular, the trading obligation for shares and the transparency provisions applicable to systematic internalizers in equity instruments. But perhaps one point in comparison with changes um, currently contemplated in the UK, as Jonathan has just mentioned, and in particular, the proposed deletion of the double volume cap mechanism, ESMA 
did consider in its report the impact of the double volume cap mechanism on cost of trading and market structure. It acknowledged that the system is quite complex and proposed some targeted solutions to simplify it. So taking into account feedback received in the course of consultation, ESMA proposed to simplify the regime and transform the mechanism into a single volume cap with the deletion of the trading venue threshold of 4%, but also to balance it by lowering the EU level threshold from 8 to 7%. Um, but it is also perhaps uh, worth mentioning that um, in the context of equities, ESMA also considered potential removal of reference price waiver and eventually um, it proposed to limit the, the waiver to orders above certain percentage of the pre-traded uh, LIS threshold of the relevant instrument or to a certain multiple of the um, uh, SMS. This will require changes to the level one mature text. And mindful of time, I would also like to highlight two other changes very briefly to the transparency regime for equity instruments that were put forward by ESMA. And this includes um, addressing the definition of frequent batch auctions and proposing some targeted changes to the um, systematic internalized regime for equities. But uh, we should remember, however, that any of those proposed changes to level one text, uh, these are just ESMA recommendations, and it remains to be seen uh, whether or to what extent they will be taken on board by the Commission in the upcoming review. And just to say, perhaps before you come, mm. come in, um, you know, to back up what Anna was saying, I think you are beginning to see here a theme of some really substantive changes potentially between the UK and the EU regime on this. You know, but essentially, my strapline would be EU is looking at reform. UK, mm. in certain areas, is looking at radical reform or abolition of some of the more prescriptive requirements and moving towards a sort of supervisor-based approach. That's the strap line which comes out throughout the Treasury's consultation. So really fascinating speaking personally. I think we, we were quite surprised at how radical the Treasury's reforms were. But anyway, back to you, Arun. Yeah, thank you. No, it's a very interesting point to be made there. And uh, yeah, definitely some scope for the divergence here is, uh, as this regime evolves. Um, if we move now on to uh, the issue of consolidated tape. Um, now, this is obviously a very high priority issue. It's linked with the functioning of the transparency regime. It uh, often involves many different financial instruments. But if we just focus on equities um, for today, Jonathan, um, can you please tell us what the Treasury in the UK uh, is considering in respect of, of consolidated tape? Yeah, I think it's more of the same. I mean, they they basically are very sceptical that a, let's call it a statutory-based or regulator-based approach is going to work. They want, they think the right solution is a market-led one. They think it's going to be gradualist, focusing on fixed income first, equities later. And they think what they're going to do, and they're going to you know, consult, and the FCA will consult on more detailed amendments on this, to look at targeted changes, changes to kind of make the market solution happen. It's a very sort of British approach, if I can put it like that, quite different to the way that the um, regime has worked under MIFID, at least. I mean, the consolidated table, of course, has not happened in, in its full form in quite the way people anticipated. But I think it, again, is reflective of the Treasury's basic philosophy. In the UK. I see. And uh, Anna, what's the uh, present situation in the EU? Uh, how, how are they handling the same issue? So yes, I mean, there is quite a lot happening in the in the EU regarding consolidated tape. And I think it's fair to say that the establishment of consolidated tape generally is one of the 
absolute top priorities for the Commission in the context of the upcoming review. And the Commission has made it absolutely clear on numerous occasions, also speaking publicly at various um, events um, recently. So we, we obviously do not know the details yet of what will be proposed, including the final scope of financial instrument covered. But um, there are some hints already, and obviously various options are being um, discussed. Um, but just by way of background, in its December 2019 recommendations, um, ESMA suggested several elements of the prospective future regime, so that um, it would be composed of a mandatory and free of charge contributions of data by trading venues and APAs, and mandatory consumption of that data by users, um, consolidated tape operator should share revenues with contributing entities. There should be full coverage, so the 100% of transactions across all asset classes, and an operation of a consolidated tape should be taking place on an exclusive basis by a single provider. But we can say, um, however, that whatever will be proposed will be subject to most likely um, heavily and very contentious legislative review, both from an industry and from co-legislators' perspective. And uh, to that end, in March um, this year, when the Commission consulted the potential consolidated tape development with member state experts, their views were um, reportedly quite diverse. So in particular, regarding feasibility and implementation of the tape. So those uh, supporting the concept agree to design it in a way and contributing to um, quote-unquote lit trading and in-scope instruments to cover both equities and bonds. And some of the less enthusiastic member states remain skeptical regarding the business case for consolidated tape as such, in particular with regards to bonds. But as said, we need to wait and see um, what will eventually be proposed um, in the first instance. And that we are expecting publication of the European Commission's report on the potential establishment of the um, of the tape. And this is expected to take place very shortly, even prior to the publication of the actual legislative proposal. So we should watch this space very closely. And I think just to pick up on a, you know the contrast emerging between the UK mm. and the EU, clearly there are far fewer you know, powerful interests, so to speak, at the regulatory or the legislative state level within the UK. You know, you've got the Treasury and the FCA, basically. And if anybody wants to influence this, it's a question of, um, you know, lobbying stroke, discussing with them. They will consult, of course, on the detailed proposals. But I think the difference is, is not the complexity of the EU legislative mm. structure. And I think, I mean, we'll see how this plays out, but I, I think you can see already uh, there could be a difference of speed and outcome as a result of that. It's not a question of the, whether it's a good or a bad thing. It's just a factual point. Yeah, no, I think that's it's a, it's a, it's definitely something that's emerging, isn't there? There is a there is an innately uh, sort of slightly different approach uh, owing to uh, sort of reality uh, and speed of reform potentially. Absolutely. Um, well, let's move on to um, the sort of last uh, topic that we're going to look at today, and I know it's a it's a favourite of yours, Jonathan. Uh, so it's uh, uh, we're, 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 let's talk about the share trading uh, obligation. Um, obviously, something that's that was really uh, the subject of much debate uh, for for a lot of this year, really. Um, Jonathan, what 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 is the government uh, in the UK uh, looking to do or, or looking to change in respect of this? Well, it's really simple. They're, they're proposing to get rid of it. Um, <laughs> there won't be an STO anymore. Um, now, just to give a bit of history here, it's important to remember that from the very beginning, the UK, both FCA and uh, Treasury, and before the FSA, were very sceptical about forcing on-market trading. 
They always bought into the concept of mandatory clearing uh, from a sort of systemic risk perspective, but they never bought into the mandatory trading obligation concept. And in fact, if you go back you know, to the mists of history, um, you know, when Mifid II was being proposed, I remember you know, various speeches by um, senior people at the FCA on this very subject, FSA and then FCA on this very subject. Um, so I think in a sense, it's part of the course. It's always been the UK's approach, essentially, let the market decide, let people trade in the most efficient way, they comply with best X, all the rest of it. That's it. And I think, again, it's a very clear indication that, you know, as the Treasury said on the tin, so to speak, in the consultation, they're going to design for good or real a regime that works for them, the UK market, and in their eyes, the UK uh, investors. Um, and that's that. And so, you know, they're quite willing uh, to, you know, jettison those bits of the MIFID regime they don't view as having the right policy outcome. I mean, one can have views on that, but that's what they're doing, or proposing at least. Understood. Um, Anna, I mean, you did uh, at least allude to ESMA's recommendations in respect of a European uh, STO earlier on. Um, could you perhaps tell us a bit more about, about that and what Esme is proposing here? Sure, we'll do just maybe a quick word to back what, uh, what what Jonathan was saying. I think it's interesting to note that in the HM Treasury paper, um, it's clearly noted that the only other jurisdiction currently that has share trading obligation other than the UK is the EU. And I can just say that the EU does not propose to um, delete their own um, STOs. So, um, so, so again, I think we're looking at some divergence here. But uh, just by way of a very quick reminder, um, as I'm sure the our audience is very is well familiar with the current share trading regime. But um, ESMA's current stand on the application of European share trading obligation in respect of UK shares post Brexit was said in its um, public statement issued in October last year. And then ESMA confirmed that all EU shares, so the ASIN, uh, starting with the country code corresponding to an EU member state, and in addition, um, those with uh, Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway will be within the scope of EU share trading obligation, and those with the UK ISIN will be outside of the scope of the EU uh, trading obligation. But interestingly, it is worthwhile um, also noting that ESMA had not received specific mandate from the Commission for reviewing the share trading obligation in the context of the upcoming method review, but it decided to include this topic in its equity transparency review report, given the attention this um, provision drawn um, amongst market participants. And it noted challenges from the broad application of the regime, in particular in the post-Brexit environment. And just by way of background, Article 23 of MIFIR currently applies to all shares available for trading on at least one EU trading venue without taking the actual liquidity um, available in these shares into account and without differentiating between EU and non-EU shares. So as Ma noted that the share trading obligation proves challenging to apply in practice regarding non-EU shares with their main uh, pool of liquidity in a third country, and in particular when this third country is not covered by equivalence decision, such as currently the UK, but we also remember a non-renewal of equivalence decisions for Switzerland that shocked markets in um, 2019. But to this end, and taking into account feedback received, ESMA recommended amending um, Article 23 in the fear to clarify that the share trading obligation only applies to shares with the main pool of liquidity in the EU, based on the um, ISIN of the share. And in addition, trading on third country trading venues should be deemed in compliance with the EU 
child training obligation when undertaken in the third country domestic currency. But again, we shall see how this um, proposals shall develop. We shall. Uh, no, no scope for controversy there whatsoever, I would agree. <laughs> Not at um, all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, thank you uh, to both Jonathan and to Anna. Um, some really interesting uh, kind of developments here. And, and, and as we're seeing some sort of, uh, you know, it, it's quite interesting to see that, that these sort of different uh, approaches begin to emerge. Um, before we sort of wrap up, let, let me just ask the both of you, um, you know, what should our uh, listeners be uh, looking to expect uh, in terms of next steps and, and, and when some of uh, the changes that we've talked about today, uh, when, when these are actually going to take effect? So, uh, Jonathan, perhaps we can start with you. What sort of is next on the horizon or on the agenda in, in the UK? So we're waiting for the next paper from the Treasury, M much slower, much delayed compared with the timing we thought it was going to be. I think there are reasons for that. I mean, we've got a new director general to be appointed, a financial services to be appointed at the Treasury. The minister has been reappointed and promoted, uh, John, and congratulations to him for that. Um, and I think, you know, there are various things going on in the background, um, obviously a new regime at the FCA as well. We're waiting for a paper from them. So lots to come out. I think the basic message is things could move quite fast and be quite radical. I think that, that was the thing I took away from the Treasury's first paper, let's call it. Um, and I think we're going to see more of the same and they're not shy. I mean, the realities are the equivalence debate is pretty much in the long grass now mm -hmm. and they've moved on for good or ill. And so that is what we're going to see. And I think um, firms need to take that into account in their commercial planning. Anna, how about on the EU side, uh, what's 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 likely to happen next? Yeah, so here we're just um, waiting for the Commission to propose the legislative amendments to the to the MIFID II MIFIR framework, and those are very um, impatiently, I guess, um, uh, waited. But um, uh, our understanding now is that um, that they should be published some time in early next year. So mm -hmm. this is just to say that before any changes will take effect, they will obviously have to go through an entire legislative review process, which is likely to take more than 12 months to complete. It usually takes um, 12, 18 months or longer, mm -hmm. depends on the complexity and controversy of the file. And then there should also factor in some um, prospectively phase in or transitional periods. So um, all in all, obviously, without seeing the, the any proposals yet, uh, I think best guess estimate currently is that any of the legislative changes will not become effective before 2024. So this also plays to, I think, Jonathan's point made yeah. earlier, that we are seeing also divergence of um, yeah. timeframes very much. Yeah, absolutely. That that sort of intertemporal difference um, could actually prove to be quite quite important. Um, okay, well, listen, thank you so much, Anna. Thank you so much to Jonathan. I think it's a really interesting discussion here and some and, and really um, you know, a lot of uh, areas that that, that uh, market participants would be well advised uh, to keep their eye on. I think, uh, you know, Jonathan's point that, um, you know, changes could happen quite quickly and potentially quite radically, um, I think is possibly a cautionary uh, tale to many of us. And, 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 you know, it's time to keep one's hands on the wheel. Um, this is uh, the second in our series. The next episode, uh, we'll be looking at trading venues. So do tune in for that. Um, thanks again to Jonathan and Anna. And thank you for tuning in. We'll thank catch you. you again soon. Thank Thanks, you. Ruth. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Thanks. Thanks.